green pastures. I know you're picturing lush fields of belly deep alfalfa as far as the eye can see. Well, get that picture out of your mind. Instead, see clumps of green along the arid landscape of the Negev Desert in Israel. That's more the biblical reality. And that's what our heart is for our weekly Green Pastures devotions published by Vineyard Boise. Our hope is that each day you'll find a wee clump of green along the all-too-often arid landscape of life, just enough to sustain you, to keep you moving forward. Each daily devotion consists of four strands, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. May the Lord lead us together into the green pastures we need today to continue growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Green Pastures for Monday, July 3rd. James, the Epistle of Straw. Today's scripture reading is found in James chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 from the New International Version. Well, mostly. Yaakov, a.k.a. Jacob, a.k.a. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, Shalom, Shalom. This is God's Word. From random passages back to anchor passages. But then our next anchor passage is taken from a relatively brief letter in our New Testament that may itself be regarded as rather random, namely the book of James. Chart makers and book systematizers beware. James refuses even the most ingenious efforts to reduce him to a linear summation. James instead begins with a handful of key themes which he then organically threads through what is more of what we would call a sermon than an epistle or a letter like, say, Romans or Galatians. Wisdom, which is divine knowledge put to practical use in living humbly and well, is perhaps the preeminent key theme with which James commences his thoughts, and what another ancient book of Hebrew sage counsel, that would be Ecclesiastes or Kohelet, observes about wisdom applies equally well to the book of James. Wisdom energizes its owner. Take a good look at God's work. Who could simplify and reduce creation's curves and angles to a plain, straight line? Yeah, that about covers it. Which is perhaps one reason we often don't hear too many sermon series on the book of James. It defies organization of thought, which means we're looking at X number of weeks of random teachings on random topics. And in fact, if you watch the Bible Project video that provides an overview of James, which I heartily recommend, go to the Bible Project app or to their website at BibleProject.com and find the book summary video for James. It'll take about eight minutes to watch. Well, this overview video only proves the point. The best Tim Mackey and John Collins can do with James is to identify 12 different teachings scattered through the book that they merely arrange in a semicircle, you know, essentially around chapter one, which is about the best you can do with seemingly random topics. And if it's gonna be random topics, well, I'd rather just pick my own, thank you very much. But. It's not just this lack of linear summation and organization, it's what we might call the straw factor, as summarized by Martin Luther some 500 years ago. Luther wrote, We should throw the epistle of James out of this school, for it doesn't amount to much. 
It contains not a syllable about Christ. Not once does it mention Christ except at the beginning. I maintain that some Jew wrote it who probably heard about Christian people but never encountered any. Since he heard that Christians place great weight on faith in Christ, he thought, wait a moment, I'll oppose them and urge works alone. This he did. Therefore, St. James' epistle is really an epistle of straw compared to these others, for it has nothing of the nature of the gospel about it. Now, to be fair to Luther, he did reportedly recant this low view of James later in his life, though the anti-Semitism that's not hard to detect even in this brief quote was pretty much a continuous thread woven throughout the fabric of his life, which means James going to be a bit offensive. It's very, very Jewish. So, what do we do with James? Well, we hear it. We hear James like you would a TED Talk. It's actually about the same length, just a tad over 15 minutes, depending on the translation, five chapters or pages, 108 verses or lines, just over 2,300 words. And if James had done this as a TED Talk, his PowerPoint would have consisted of assorted images, though I'm sure, like any Jewish rabbi-slash-teacher-slash-sage, his first choice would have been to hold the actual objects before his audience, from a mirror, to a moth, to a flame, to a horse's bridle. This is one of the keys to the book of James. It's thoroughly Jewish, which means it's more about how we live than about how we conceptualize life. It's more about what salvation looks like in practical terms than it is a systematic explanation of soteriology. It's more about what Jesus looks like in my life and yours than it is an apologetic argument over his nature and identity. As Mackey and Collins put it, Jacob's goal isn't to share new theological information, but rather to get in your business and challenge how you live. This book is a beautifully crafted punch in the gut for those who want to follow Jesus. And that's the final point for today's reflection. This is actually the book of Yaakov, or Jacob, rather than the book of James. Though won't be legalistic about it, just peevishly persistent at pointing it out. James is an English name that quite simply sounded a bit less Jewish than Jacob, at a time when in Protestant circles we, like Luther, weren't feeling too kindly towards the people who ultimately brought us both Scripture and the Savior. The Greek is Jakobos, for the Hebrew Yaakov, which means heel grabber, or more to the point, heel. James is typically rendered he who leads the way, which is what good Anglo-Saxons do, as opposed to Jacob or Yaakov, who is the heel who trips you up from behind so he can take your place, the way those Jews do. So like Mackie and Collins do in their video, I'll tend to run with Jacob rather than James here and with every other James appearing within the New Testament pages, because there are no Jameses in the Bible. Sorry, every James out there, there isn't a James in the Bible. They're all Jacobs. They're all Yaakovs. Though the historical character of this Jacob, who most identifies the younger brother of Jesus, clearly traveled the trajectory of the heel who trips others up, 
to he who leads the way. And I believe this Jacob would say that traveling that trajectory is what wisdom is all about. So, as we pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder, have you ever read the book of James? That would be Jacob. What was your impression of it? Did it challenge you, provoke you, inspire you, annoy you, or, or what? Take the time at least one day this week to read or hear the book of James, that would be Jacob, in one setting or one walking. What key themes stood out to you? What key passages impressed you? Lord, you can't find firm footing in a swamp, but life rooted in God stands firm. So says the ancient sage in Proverbs, Lord, and so is life, a swamp when it's not a storm. Root my life in you, in the midst of the swamp, in the middle of the storm. Anchor me, ground me, center me in the realities of you, of your sustaining presence, of your unfailing love. Through those words, those lines, in season, which will be the light when all other lights go out. Even here, in this epistle of straw known as the book of James, Jacob. Speak to me through its pages this week as you give me the grace and provide me the space in which to read and hear them. Anchor me in the truths you unfold here for me this day, this week, through your mercies.